0: Welcome to the PeaceWorks podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about practical theology and the heart of our work. But before we do that, I want to remind you of some opportunities available to you. If you benefit from the PeaceWorks podcast, if this is something that has helped you uh, navigate the waters of domestic violence uh, prevention and intervention from a gospel-centered perspective, then I really think your next best step is PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University has a, the, the most robust collection of gospel-centered resources on the topic of domestic abuse intervention and prevention in the world, and it's organized. It's kind of like the Netflix for people helpers. Hundreds and hundreds of resources uh, organized categorically from masterclasses to toolbox items to success paths to um, courses that I've developed to bonus material, live Q&A. All of that's available to PeaceWorks University members. And you can learn more about PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. All right, so today I want to talk a little bit about practical theology. Now, I bring that up because, you know, over the years I've really struggled with the idea that, you know, a Christian is really judged by their stated beliefs. Now, it is important to have sound theological frameworks. Now, you may, we may differ on eschatology or ecclesiology or certain aspects of the faith. But really, for the most part, the idea of Christian orthodoxy is central uh, to the work that we do because believing certain things, uh, central things about the faith, are really key to moving forward, especially if we're going to be doing Bible-based work. So what I believe about the Bible, about the Spirit of God, about... Jesus, his divinity, his humanity, all of that is going to inform the approach that I'm going to take, and that's good. However, just having a held belief does not necessarily mean that those beliefs are impacting, driving, or affecting your life. That's what I mean by practical theology. In many ways, the, great, the greatest evidence of your theological framework is how you live your life. I see this quite a bit in batterer work, in abuser work, where an individual holds tightly to a stated theological position, or a lot of times, even more so, a particular theological leader or pastor. They'll be able to quote that individual who's quoting others. They'll be able to talk about historical theological concepts with great nuance but practically speaking it hasn't affected their life it isn't changing them in any way and it's uh, actually deviating in many ways from what seems to be the clear um, clearest path and presentation given in the scriptures you know one of those um, aspects of theology that comes to my mind probably most readily is aspects of peace and violence. You know, when I say violence, I think sometimes, especially in the Christian church, we we tend to narrowly view that term. And so I just want to talk a little bit about maybe my health theology and then how I think that has been abandoned practically and why a recapturing of a theology of peace or a recapturing of Jesus' heart in the in the aspect and ideas of violence and power and peace would really, I think, transform um, this work of domestic abuse intervention and prevention, especially in the Christian church, if we practically wrestled to the ground how this these truths about peace and power should be impacting our daily lives and how it should be impacting us as husbands and fathers and sisters and brothers and pastors and parishioners. You know, some might even, you know, challenge what I'm about ready to say. I just, I have a quote I want to share with you uh, from a gentleman that I respect. Here's a great example of a pastor that I respect who theologically is on a different page than me. We have different theological perspectives in some things, but I really appreciate these words from Brian Zond when he wrote in his book, Farewell to Mars, this short passage. He said, we worship Jesus as Savior while dismissing his ideas about peace. For 17 centuries, Christianity has offered a gospel where we can accept Jesus as our personal Savior while, while largely ignoring his ideas about peace and violence and society. We've embraced a privatized post-mortem gospel that stresses Jesus dying for our sins, but at the same time, ignores his political ideologies. He goes on to say, this bifurcation between Jesus and his ideas has a history. It can be traced back to the early fourth century when Christianity first attempted to attain favored status with the empire. Now, of course, Pastor Zahn's talking about the political fascination, fasc, fascination that Christians have, the um, political power that Christians have often sought over history. And I would agree with him wholeheartedly on that. I think we have, as a, as a tribe, strive too much, too hard to have political power. And I think it's something that Jesus has instructed us not to do. But to go one step further, I I really think there is theological evidence, biblical evidence, um, uh, credibility in the idea that Jesus, who had ultimate power, who is the king of the universe, who currently sits at the right hand of God, um, chose instead to take a different route, a power under route, as opposed to a power over route. And his instructions to us are to follow suit. And like Pastor Zond, I really think that sometimes in our, in our current system of faith, we applaud the idea of accepting Christ into our hearts, accepting Him as our personal Savior, but being indifferent as to whether or not we adopt His ideas. Believing in Jesus is central to our faith. But believing in the viability or the validity of His ideas That's what brings Christianity to life. Do we follow Jesus or do we follow a version of him that's softened, that's weakened through collusion, through um, pressure, through a kingdom of the world alternative that we feel more comfortable with? You see, in our work in domestic violence intervention and prevention, Men who use violence in the home, who claim the name of Jesus far too often, deny the validity and effectiveness of Jesus's very ideas for a softened yet comfortable, familiar kingdom of the world alternative, in particular in the area of peace, power, and violence. I could just take a few moments just to talk about what we believe, because here's the, here's the hang-up. If you're listening here today, maybe you've experienced what it's like to be told that Christians have no place in this work because we're violent, we're oppressive, we're demeaning and destructive. If you find that confusing, good for you, because that's not who Jesus is. But in many corners of our world, the caricature, the image, the popular uh, image of Christianity has been one of demeaning and destructive and power over. And maybe our friends in our community have only seen that image. And they haven't witnessed the practical theology of peace lived out in the life of a believer. Maybe that's where we can come in. Perhaps you've been rejected by your church or your Christian community because you're to this or not enough that. Because your faith hasn't fit firmly, well packaged in a particular system. Maybe that system has more to do with the kingdom of the world than the kingdom of God. Maybe that system's built on power and control. And perhaps those who are trying and attempting to live practically The footsteps of Jesus as somebody who abandons power, who uses power properly, who um, drops the sword and embraces the cross, or who embraces peace over violence, will seem foreign to the softened gospel of the kingdom of the world. What I'm saying may seem harsh, may seem drastic, but to be quite honest, friends... I've seen many folks who have attempted to serve in the name of Jesus be disqualified because of their peace-loving ways, who've been looked at cockeyed because um, the faith that they associate with is often associated in the world with things that just don't look like Jesus. I guess what I'm saying is it's time that we reclaim the theology of peace and we live it out in a practical way that the world can understand that we be the peacemakers that Jesus called us to be that we pursue gentleness and love and the virtues that he left us that kindness and patience and long suffering that compassion and being slow to anger just become a natural part of who we are as the church so that the world will begin to see that the kingdom of God is far different than the kingdom of the world. And that Jesus was right when he told Pilate that he was a king, but that his kingdom was not of this world. And the one way in which he delineated between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, the way he chose in that moment to show Pilate that his authority was kingly. His authority was as the head of a kingdom but that that the kingdom was distinct he said if my kingdom was like the kingdom of the world what would be happening my people would be using violence my people would be out fighting but my kingdom is not of this world it's an otherworldly kingdom a kingdom of peace that's not anything new to jesus or his followers you see, in, in uh, sitting before Pilate, he instructs Pilate that yes, he has the authority. Yes, he is a king. Yes, I guess you could be justified in crucifying Jesus as a insurgent because he's not bowing to Caesar. He is claiming the role of king, but his kingdom and his kingship is nonviolent. It's peace loving. You won't find my followers out attacking Rome or. Picking up the sword. In fact, earlier in the story, Jesus disarmed uh, Peter, calling him to drop the sword because it's a kingdom of peace. It shouldn't be any surprise to us because Jesus, again, in Matthew 20 and Mark 10, instructed his disciples that, you know, the kingdom of the world, they use power to control. They use power to destroy. They use power over And he says it cannot be that way among us. It cannot be that way among you. And yet the reputation that we often fight, the the reputation that much of the Christian church has is that we love conflict, that we love violence, that we love power. Well, why is that? That should be a call of conviction to us. And if unbelievers can see that it doesn't add up to the person, work, mission of Jesus, then shouldn't we see it? Because it cannot be that way among us. We've got to find a different way. And Jesus was like this master of the third way. Matthew 5, for instance. Uh, Every conflict he had with power brokers that he would turn on its head, this upside down vision of the world where... Uh, Jesus was able to discover and expose this third way. Is it any wonder that early Christians were called people of the way, this different, unique, you know, narrow road type of way? And if our faith begins to look like a spiritualized version of life as normal, then I think we need to reflect on our faith, myself included, You know Jesus calls us to peace. He says his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. He, he himself took on the role of a servant. John 13, uh, we're told this about him. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2. He did not consider equality with God something to cling to, but he emptied himself. He took on the role of a servant. He humbled himself. Paul goes on to say in Romans 12 that we should overcome evil with good. As much as it depends upon us, we should live at peace with everyone. Peace is central to who we are. And I I don't mean inner peace or or tranquility or, or Zen or Kung Fu Panda peace. I mean peace and peacemaking is central to who we are as followers of Jesus because that is the kingdom that Jesus has left us. One that doesn't see his followers out. Swinging the sword, but bearing the weight of the cross. No wonder that the leaders in the Bible, in Titus 1 and uh, 1 Timothy 3, as Paul instructs his students on how to find pastors and elders for the church, one of the key requirements is that we not be violent. Now, I've always been taught that uh, leadership qualifications are not unique, special things that they are things that should be true of every Christian, but exemplified in the life of our leaders. And why is it that we see so many pastors who are bullies and so many pastors who commit acts of violence and power over and control and coercion be restored to ministry because I'm just not sure we care. Because our practical theology is not preaching. The gospel of peace. That's all I want for Peace Works and for the work that we do, and for you, listener, if you're involved in domestic violence intervention and prevention, that folks who don't know Jesus could come to know Jesus because the peacemaking that we get to take part in, that his gospel is so clear, that it's beyond this. Salvific transactional interchange that gets me out of hell and into heaven, but it's about this life that He gives in the the by and by, right? The sweet by and by, but also in the nasty here and now. That His fullness, that His presence lives in us as a means of bringing that peace again to others. We can't divorce theology from how we live but how we live should be preaching to the world what we believe. I know I'm going to take a long hard look at how I'm living. It's not going to be perfect. I'm going to have doubters. I'm going to doubt myself but at the end of the day are my efforts, is my interactions, are my relationships pointing to Jesus or pointing to an ideology that when held up against the lens of Scripture falls short as a weak substitution spiritualized version of the kingdom of the world I believe a lot of things and I hold those beliefs very firmly and we may disagree but what I hope is in the disagreement in the the supposed conflict, it would be very difficult for you or for me to say um, that they don't love. We can hold to things firmly and it's not just what we believe, but I do think it's how we communicate it. May we be spirit empowered, spirit filled, Jesus loving peacemakers, who practically show our deep and abiding commitment to Jesus and His Word in such a way that people, all people, are given the opportunity to experience this peace as well. That all people have the opportunity to to see and experience safety. And that confrontation is done with such gentleness and power that conviction falls on those who need to change. I appreciate you guys for listening to the podcast this week. My prayer is that it's been a blessing. And my hope is that we will be a tribe of people empowered to live practically uh, for the sake of the gospel and the name and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God bless.